What is going on guys? Welcome to the second episode of Sitting with Uncertainty. I'm your host Mohammed Al-Kadim and I want to thank you for tuning in. Before we get into this, I would like to remind you that I am not a licensed professional and in case of a crisis emergency, I would always advise you to seek their help. I would also like to remind you that most of the information and content used within this podcast have been discovered online, have been discovered through personal experiences, or have been recommended by another. Sitting with Uncertainty is a podcast strictly created to combat the stigma and spread awareness regarding mental illness and specifically obsessive compulsive disorder. Thank you so much for the support and without further ado, let's get into it. What is going on, guys? My name is Mohammed Al Kadim, and I am the host of and creator of Sitting with Uncertainty. Um, I have a great episode for you guys today. Um, lots of content, lots of ideas. I've been reading a lot of scholarly articles, a lot of different um, things that are peer reviewed. And um, if you're not aware, this peer reviewed articles are articles or research that have been submitted by people who are certified. Um, you know, it's PhDs. You know, they're scholars. And um, specifically peer-reviewed scholarly articles have been peer-reviewed by other scholars and people who are certified within this field of research, whatever that may be. And those individuals not only support the evidence and conclusion regarding that research, they also are willing to have their name on there as peer-reviewed because they want to contribute this and allow this to be integrated into our society you know, in whatever, you know, manner that may be. So it's important to understand that these articles are not only like articles that are written by one scholar and like, you know, oh, it's a cool idea, but we don't know. But no, no, multiple, you know, people within that field and community agree with the work and support it. So that's just something I wanted to say real quick. (laughs) Um, So yeah, if you guys haven't tuned into my first episode, please do. I'm loving the support and most importantly, I just the feedback, you know, and the impact I'm having on you guys and, you know, the people listening to me is awesome. I never really thought I'd do something like this, but now that I'm doing it, creating content, just playing with the ideas and my imagination and trying to change my perspective of the world and change others, it's really coming together and I appreciate that a lot. So, yeah, thank you so much. And if you haven't tuned into my first episode, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, my name is Mohammed El Kadim. I'm currently a psych major um, in college. Um, I am 20, and I'm also a mental health advocate who has been struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder for a very long time now. Um, but this this episode specifically is going to be a little different, and I mean because not only are we going to be combining some psychological terms and kind of looking at OCD through those terms, but also through other perspectives, but we're also going to bring some quantum mechanics into this and we're we're going to argue something and what I want to argue is whether or not our thoughts can in any way influence our reality and sure Mo you guys are thinking hey Mo this is supposed to be an OCD mental illness podcast and yeah sure I can but I you know I'm a critical thinker and as someone with OCD you know I think a lot about things about life you know about the existential question about why things are happening or why I tend to care or want to prevent things so much and um I'm also interested in all kinds of things, especially quantum mechanics, because it seems that on a molecular level, reality isn't what it seems to be. And if you obsess 
or you're a critical thinker, this is something that you can focus on and it gives you some escape and um, excitement and it really intrigues you for the moment. And that's from my perspective, at least. So yeah, quantum mechanics is very interesting. And even though I don't have a degree in much knowledge in quantum physics or mechanics, I do tend to read a lot about it. Um, I'm very fascinated by it. A lot of things interest me, the whole idea that on a molecular level, all things are, you know, tiny little balls of energy called atoms vibrating at a certain frequency really blows my mind or that all we are are particles vibrating at a certain frequency. The Mayans called this world Maya, which meant illusion world. And that's really interesting because when you're philosophical or you're thinking about psychology and stuff like that, it's, it's fun to ponder whether or not there is an objective reality out there, especially with everybody having subjective experiences, which definitely plays a role in mental illness. You know, everybody has their own experiences. Everybody's trapped in their mind. You know, their beliefs and emotions and ideas and experiences affect how they perceive not only their reality, but um, their world, their universe, their version of life. And um, becoming aware of that is pow a powerful thing because when you really become aware of this notion, you realize you do have a lot more control than you think you do. You have a lot, lot more control. Or these ideas validate validate certain um, experiences or these experiences that you have validate these beliefs. Um, I apologize about the bird in the background. My house is a zoo. So if you hear all kinds of things, I hope you know, you'll listen through it. <laughs> I hope it's worth it. Um, I do my best. So, um, anyway, I remember I was, uh, like, last week I was reading something. It was talking about um, reality and if it could really be objective because that's one thing I think about a lot. Like, when I compare myself to others, um, there's a lot of contrast. And I don't know if that's an ego thing, maybe, because everybody wants to view themselves as a hero or, you know, the loving person or the person who's, like, very manly or very feminine or who you know whoever you know traits you take value in and pride with it i see myself as a very genuine and um humble person i take pride in humility and in my work everything i create i want to um be proud of before i create it i want it to be worth something so being this person it's important that everything i create you know has meaning everything i do um, has a reason and that's why I you know I create a lot of this stuff but um I was reading something that was talking about how reality is not really objective a true reality is not there is no true objective reality and you can think about that in many ways because of course you know perception plays a key role thoughts emotions you know habitual thought patterns everybody experiences the world in a different way in a different manner whether that's better or not, you know, and we should not compare those. We should just experience them as express expressions of who we are. But it's interesting to think about how science teaches us that, you know, on a molecular level, all things are energy vibrating at a certain frequency, including us, and that we perceive it as physical matter because we're who we are, or we perceive it at matter be as matter because we are in a similar state to to these objects, you know, and the components of, you know, their molecular level, our states, you know, are very similar to that. And I think that's why we perceive and interact with this world. And sure, okay, here I go getting esoteric. But it's, it's important to think about because 
there's also things like, okay, yeah, we're in this world, you know, we're interacting with it, but when I look at a table, I'm not really looking at the table. The science behind it is that the light is reflecting off the table and going into my cornea, which creates this, this, this image, you know, in my mind, you know, or when I touch something, you know, all it is is really electrical impulses being sent, you know, to my brain that says, hey, you know, you're feeling something. So all, you know, all our senses are just senses, you know. So the idea is like, is reality really objective or do we perceive and create our reality at the same time? And so, you know, these are a lot of concepts that might be tough to understand, but bear with me. I promise you, I'll try to make them simple. And if they are super simple, I'm glad you're thinking this way and, you know, you're enjoying this. So it's interesting to think about that. It's almost as if, you know, perception is not reality. And we're going to get more into that. So back to mental illness and OCD. Um, OCD is super interesting because... It talks about how, um, not even it, but I've read some articles this week that talked about how magical thinking is prevalent in OCD. And so what magical thinking is, is uh, is any type of superstition um, or, you know, feeling or idea that you have more control, like that you could control external events in the future. Um, the idea that, you know, the law of attraction or the idea that you can manifest things into your life through thought and belief. Um, faith to an extent is magical thinking and um, it's really prevalent in OCD because of a lot of the actions and behaviors and compulsions are fueled by this idea or notion that you can impact and affect external events you have some sort of control over that which nowadays you know in the mundane you know the way that our society views it, that's crazy. You know, we're individual beings and our thoughts and beliefs and whatever's going on in our inner world has no effect on the external world. Um, and so what we're told is, hey, you know, you are participating in this notion or idea or concept called magical thinking because you're trying to cope with this mental illness. And so I just want to, you know, I want to propose one idea. What if people with mental illness are just hypersensitive? or hyper aware to certain things. You know what I mean? What if we're what if we're not even participating in mar magical thinking? What if magical thinking is something that's innate, you know, something that is our true nature to a certain extent and those with m mental illness are just those who um, recognize that or, you know, are aware that, you know, we do have some control over external events. And that sounds crazy because it might be like, okay, well, you're supporting an argument that's supporting compulsions and certain ideas. And no, no, that's not what I'm doing. Um, I would always advise you to sit with your compulsions and never give in because that's how that reckless cycle of OCD is. And, you know, that so much shame can be instilled as people just watch you, you know, do things over and over again in your thoughts. And it's, it's a mess, you know, that's the trap. But what I'm saying is maybe you're experiencing this because you specifically as an individual is hypersensitive or you recognize or you can perceive or pick up on something that other individuals aren't. Maybe because they're distracted or they haven't had those experiences yet. And so it's interesting because this is where the quantum mechanics comes in. So there's this, this um, idea called the observer effect. And this is really, really interesting. And even though it's interesting because the medical field and quantum physics and mechanics and all these other f fields of science seem to be going on two different paths. You have the quantum mechanics, 
who are like studying everything on a molecular level and um by the way, everything that's happening on a molecular level defies our reality. It's like everything that's happening on a molecular level makes no sense. You know, we're perceiving it and experiencing it this way, but then you look on a molecular level and it makes no sense whatsoever. You know, there's things like quantum entanglement that proves that two particles can be entangled. And even if those particles are entangled they will literally mimic each other. So the minute you measure one particle, you know the measurement of the other particle that's entangled or the particles that are entangled, no matter where they are, even if they're across the universe. So that's information being sent through through our universe faster than the speed of light. And Einstein called that um, spooky action at a distance. He couldn't believe it because... If you got to think about it, if we are all, you know, particles and components that came from the Big Bang and everything, you know, on a molecular level is the same thing, then a lot of the particles that create our body or a part of who we are are probably entangled with millions of other particles that are across the universe. And um, if, you know, you measure those particles and, you know, they're somehow you know, connected, they're somehow connected to those other particles across the universe, and whatever's happening to us can affect that and vice versa. So things going on across the universe may have an effect on us. These particles are entangled. They are tied together. This is a proven phenomena, and it's insane. And to even get to this, like, idea that, like, okay, so we have thoughts, right? And our thoughts are electrical, electrical circuits or impulses. And what's interesting is our thoughts have matter. They have weight. It's energy. And so our thoughts must affect the particles around us. They must have some effect on a molecular level because I have. you're telling me that my thoughts aren't going to affect my reality when my reality is composed of energy, other particles. You know what I mean? You're going to tell me that my two-inch skull made out of bone is going to stop you know, my thoughts from affecting any particles are actually affecting the external world on a molecular level. You know, it might not be on a big level, but it might be on a molecular level, which may, you know, affect certain ideas, emotions, beliefs, perceptions, how you perceive certain things because of your thoughts affecting the actual reality. And this is where it gets super interesting because I'm going to talk about something called the double slit experiment. And so this is going to be hard to explain especially because I can't like show you guys visually, but it's going to be super cool. So the idea is this is a, this is in quantum mechanics, a phenomena called the observer effect. And so what they did was they took a piece of cardboard and they cut a slit in it and um, they cast a light through the slit and it shined onto the wall behind it. And there was a slit of light where the light had passed through. And so, okay, so the scientist was like, okay, so if we make two slits in the cardboard, then the light should pass through both slits and make two lines on the wall. So they did very, they did that thing. And what they realized was when they shined the light through two slits, instead of making two slits on the wall, it made a spectrum of lights in varying degrees. So it would have like multiple lines of varying degrees of light. And so the physicists were like, what the heck? What is going on? You know, science says that if the light passes through one slit and you make two slits, then the light should pass through both slits. So they're like, huh, this makes no sense. There's a spectrum of light being cast through two slits. So they said, well, okay, we're going to 
measure the photons or the tiny electrons, these tiny bits of mass. And we're going to measure, let's say photons, because I'm pretty sure they did it with um, multiple different things. So they take a device that can measure photons specifically, and they're trying to see why is it that when they go through the slits that they do not just form two single lines. So as soon as they decided to measure those photons as they passed through the slits, they no longer acted the same way, and they, ca they went through both, both, both of the slits, and that's it. So this is confusing, but let me explain one more time to recap. So you got two slits, and without measuring the photons or the individual particles, it goes right through both slits and creates a spectrum on the wall. But then the moment that you decide to actually look on a molecular level what's going on with the particles, they defy that and they act differently and they decide to act the way our modern science predicts and go through both slits and show two slits on the wall. So once again, this may be a little confusing, but what this is proving is the very act of observing something changes reality. The very act, they decided, huh, the light casted through both slits makes a spectrum. So we're going to look at it at a molecular level with a device that can actually capture the photons and the particles as they travel through the slits. And as soon as they decided to actually look at it at a molecular level, they stopped acting that way and they went through both slits like modern science predicts. And I know I said that twice, but this is really exciting because it's like nature knows when we're looking. It's like nature knows, okay, they're not looking at anything, so we're going to cast the spectrum. But when, when, we, when they're looking at the particles at a molecular level, it's like nature's aware that we're trying to watch her and catch what she's doing. And she's like, nope, I'm going to act this way. So it's like she's trying to validate this idea of the illusion or nature or God or whatever this is, is trying to validate this idea of, oh, it's, it is what it seems. You know what I mean? When it really is not what it seems, you know, nature is tricking with us and um, trying to create this experience and trying to keep us from figuring out figuring out what's truly going on and sure yeah that's deep you know philosophical that's some deep thinking but you got to also realize you know it's super interesting because especially with quantum entanglement you know they're finding out that particles can exist at multiple states at the same time and that they only have a definite you know, measurement when they are being perceived. So are we perceiving and creating reality at the same time? And if that is so, is magical thinking really a trait of coping with mental illness? Or is a magical thinking a hypersensitivity to what's going on around you? You know, are you hyper aware to the world you're experiencing in some degree or some manner? And you know what I mean? And it would be super interesting to to figure this out and to have a group of people who struggle with mental illness and then have a group of people who don't. And then let's say we give them journals and they need to write about what's going on in the day. And let's say their goal is to manifest stuff into reality. So I mean manifest like certain thoughts and ideas or even objects or experiences into reality. So think about this, guys. Think about if you take a group of people who struggle with mental illness and you take another group of people who struggle with who don't struggle with mental illness. Right. So you have you have the, you know, a group that struggles with mental illness and then you have a group that doesn't. 
and you have them journal about their experiences throughout the week, but you have them focus on a goal of manifesting something, whether it's like manifesting an experience or certain objects or real things into their life through, you know, thought, emotions, belief, ideas, meditation, whatever it is. And we see how successful the group with mental illness is in manifesting certain things than the group that didn't struggle with mental illness. And we see if that magical thinking actually affects their life and perception and experience with reality. And we see if OCD or mental illness is just something that encourages expansion of the mind and success in one's life. I don't know, you know, I'm a critical thinker and I know OCD is hard and it's hard to cope with and it's not easy. But I know one thing that if I never had obsessive compulsive disorder, there's no way I would think and do the things the way I do today. And I am so thankful that I do, you know, what I do. I'm so thankful I am the person I am today. And I've met the people I've met today. And um, just like that, I hope to expand, you know, people's thoughts and ideas. And sure, I don't know a lot about this quantum mechanics and stuff, but I know a lot about my life. And I've had situations like the other day at my job, I was... uh stocking water and uh i saw a teacher i knew and i didn't have time because i was working so i tried to um finish what i was doing quick and um i really wanted to talk to her so i was running around my job and uh i work at a grocery store so um i couldn't really find her and i was like oh she's probably gone so i i went back to the to the back room you know where i work and i was getting waters to stock and put on shelves and i st i had this vision and this idea and feeling my intuition was so strong and i said huh and in my head i saw like me going down the aisle and seeing my teacher the very one i wanted to talk to and i was like wow and that if it made me feel so warm and my intuition sometimes is so crazy it's like i knew it was going to happen so i take my time i'm in no rush i keep stocking water and we put them on a U-boat. So as I'm dragging the U-boat, you know, outside, I'm in no rush. And I'm going through the store and I turn down the aisle. And my teacher that I had in high school is waiting right there for me. And I could not believe it. And so if certain coincidences and certain things are happening like this in my life, well, I'm sure they happen in all of our lives. But it happens so much in my life, little things like this, that I can't help but think that my thoughts, feelings... And, um, you know, ideas are affecting my reality to some extent, even on a molecular level. I, I have to argue for that because even like it's when if I'm counting my medicine to put in my, you know, my pill box and it's like I just grab a random amount and it's just, you know, it's one, two, th oh, it just happens. I grab the perfect amount of pills, you know, certain synchronicities and coincidences happen all the time. And um, I think people with mental illness might just be hyper aware or vigilant to these experiences. And, um, you know, I think it encourages open mindedness and um, success and change, you know, most of all change. And I want to thank you guys all you know, for tuning in. It's another short episode, but I appreciate you guys being here for listening to what I have to say. I know I didn't talk about mental health too much in this episode spirituality and philosophies also in the description so i like to integrate and talk about different things that can keep your mind busy but just remember that like everything is entangled and connected you know at a molecular level we are all the same substance and a lot of people in different philosophies have argued for a while that it is one overlying consciousness that experiences itself infinitely and experiences itself 
um, and it's self-expression in an infinite amount of ways. And um, that is what life is, one source of consciousness, just creating and manifesting constantly. And, um, you know, that's just an idea. But uh, science and uh, specifically physics and quantum mechanics is proving this. And it's important to realize that you may have more control than you think. I think that a lot of societies and traditions and cultures understand this in a way that our Western culture may not. Our Western culture is very different than a lot of the traditionals and um, I think they may have a way of living or a way of life that may actually increase the quality of the, the human experience that um, also brings in certain qualities and dynamics that we may not be aware of in this Western way of living. But uh, yeah, thanks so much, guys. We hit the 26 minute mark. It's been great chatting with you guys. Thank you so much for the support. Please spread the word, spread the love, and help me combat this stigma and spread awareness. Thank you so much. And you guys have a great day. I love you all. Bye-bye.